Quick, name the first Brene Brown book or video or TED Talk that you remember hearing. You know you remember. We all do. She's had that kind of profound impact on all of us. And if this is the first time you're hearing about Brene Brown, congratulations. Today is your lucky day, and you need to go Google her as soon as you listen to this podcast. No, we don't have Brene on today. But we will have at some point. Let me just put that out there into the universe. But we do have Alyssa Bartenbach on today, who is a leader and a corporate trainer and just an all-around badass. And she is fresh from being certified in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. And this is a very elite group. She is one of only not quite 600 people in the world that were chosen to become certified and teach this content. And so we are really lucky to have her today. She's gonna talk about her experience at the certification, but she's also gonna come back and teach us a little bit more about the content from the book, Dare to Lead. Here we go. Hey, Alyssa, how are you? I'm good, thanks for having me. Absolutely, I've been wanting to have you on the show. I'm excited. Yes, this is better than our just talking on the phone in the car. I was gonna say, if we would record all of the other conversations we would have tons of podcasts. We'd have series, tons of series, which I think should be maybe a thing. I agree. We'll see how this goes. Next. Yeah, that's (laughs) a plan. So today we're gonna talk about, you are fresh from a certification class from Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Yes. Like, let's just take a moment because you and I have been Brene Brown groupies, junkies, like consume it all like it's our job and it kind of has been our job for a long time, for years. So walk me through, you know, we're all about reflection and connection. Walk me through the feelings that you have now having gone through this certification, just in what, what does that feel like to now be kind of officially part of her tribe? Yes. So what's funny is I went and did the Brene training for Dare to Lead, and then the next week went to Disney World. So this re-entry is a little tough because I don't know. And both kids had birthdays. Both of my kids had birthdays smack dab in the middle of it. So it's been an amazing couple of weeks. And to tell you the truth, I sat there the entire time. It never got old. Like the thought in my head over and over was, she's five feet away from me. I am learning from Brene. And the thing that honestly stands out the most about the whole week is who she is as a person. I went there to learn a curriculum, to be able to teach, and to be able to talk about leadership development in another way. And instead, I left a left there just wanting to be a better person. You know, one of my favorite moments had absolutely nothing to do with the training. It was the end of the very last day. And she said, okay, guys, we're waiting on a few people to come. Uh, Give us just a minute, be patient. 
None of us really knew what was going on, but they opened the doors and it's the entire hotel staff that had been the ones who were coming in at breaks and replacing the drinks and clearing the tables and, you know, running the audio and cleaning up the room after we left. And she said, we stand, we clap, we celebrate them. And we all stood up and it wasn't like, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Like we cheered for minutes on end and the room got louder and we just kept clapping and cheering for these people because we watched them light up. And it was what she'd been doing for us all week, right? Like we have been lighting up over and over and over again, but then we got to do that for others as well. And it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I love when you hear stories, when you realize that someone that you have really, um, followed and have a lot of respect for is really who they are in real life. It's not just what they write about in the book. Yes. So she's living this stuff out. Loved her. Like she, you know, at one point, so we're in San Antonio, middle of summer, hot as can be, the AC in the hotel goes out. And then there's, you know, a little over a hundred of us pretty tight in this room. And so really quickly, it got hot super fast. I don't know about you, but like either I'm hungry or I'm hot. Those are the two things that really can get me irritated quickly. (laughs) And she was still so gracious and just stood up there sweating, like, but still fabulous. And we all go through that as facilitators. We have run into those hard things. And I always, I mean, just like life, right? It's not about the things that we encounter. It's about how do we choose to, to handle them? What's our perspective? What's our attitude? And so she was just a great example at every turn. Well, and I have to go back and all I can think about is, I just finished Brene Brown certification. What are you gonna do? Yeah, go I'm to going Disney. to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's exactly what we did. Because as professional trainers, and that's how we met is through my days at Franklin Covey and, and you as a corporate trainer, that's a big deal. I mean, it, it's it's like the the moment that I realized that I was going to work for Dr. Stephen R. Covey, who I had been reading his stuff forever. And for you to walk out of that certification, having followed her and really respected everything she's done, that's that's a big deal. So Disney World isn't a perfect way to cap that off. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know what was really interesting about this training that was very different than any other certification program I've ever been through is at the same time you went through it learning how to facilitate it and to lead this kind of work in an organization, you actually went through the material yourself. So here you'd be going through the hard stuff, processing your own things, doing the work for yourself, and then boom, switch. We're going to talk about how do you lead through it. And so it was it was intense, but I appreciated it because part of the things that comes with teaching is also saying, I've lived this, I've done it. And that's the other part that was so freeing about her approach with all of us because, you know, through conversations, I think one of the things we all felt was, okay, this stuff works because they're Brene's stories Mm -hmm. and this is Brene's writing. And because when people want to hear this content, just like I wanted to go there just to hear it from her, people want to hear this from her. So we sat in a group Um, of tables of about seven. And the more we got to interact table to table, the more we realized we're all having the same conversation is we're thinking, here we are, we're doing this. And who's going to want to hear this from us? Because they want to hear it from Renee. And we went in the next morning and she started really by talking about the fact that 
yeah, she's given some tools and some resources and a great platform, but none of us are called to go out there and tell the Brene story and do this the way Brene would, that the only reason she's doing this certification is empowering people to take this work out into the world, but to do it as themselves and to use their stories. And that was really good to for me because I instantly shifted from thinking about, okay, how do I go and tell this as well as she did, to start thinking of real life examples for me that are telling this story, but in ways that I've actually lived. And this comes up a lot when I'm working with coaching clients, especially those that have ideas about books they want to write or, or things they want to create. Inevitably, they will say to me, but Brene's already written it, or Michelle Obama's already written it, or somebody's already written it. And I quickly say, and that means that the topic is so relevant that it takes all of us telling stories about that topic to really make impact and change. Do we really want the billions of people on this planet only to hear from five top authors? No, we need all of us standing tall in that story and saying, let me tell you about my vulnerability story. Let me tell you about how shame impacts me. That's the way we're going to generate change. Yes, generate change and also experience healing. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other part that we don't even realize, you know, yes, we're doing this and it helps others, but man, there are only some ways we can heal by owning our story and telling it. And you and I talk a lot about, I call it standing tall in our story. And I know Brene has other language for it as well. Is It's counterintuitive, right? So when we experience something, especially those things that are related to shame and hurt, we quickly want to just hunker down and just try to deal with it ourselves. And when we do that, we don't allow others to learn with us and we don't allow it to be this healing thing that happens together, right? And this whole idea of of being able to connect in the sharing of that has been, I know for you and I, it's been healing for you and I. You're, you're my person that I call and say, okay, this really sucked and I need to talk about it out loud. And it's because Brene has given us language and permission to do that. Like that's huge. Yes, yes. And I know you also talk a lot about connection. And I think one of the things that I've realized because it is easier for me to sometimes work independently or to just think I've got this, I don't need anybody's help. But one of the things I'm learning too is telling your story, give somebody else the opportunity to support you. And that's life giving to them as well. Absolutely. The last episode, that was one of the key themes is when we can intentionally do that, it feeds back to us in, in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's that's the way God wired us. That's humanity. That's what we're supposed to do. But so many things about the way that we've been educated and about the way work happens. I mean, just you know, we've been remote workers, you and I, for years. You work in isolation. You do a lot of things in isolation. And you have to remind yourself that that's not really holistic. That's not wholehearted living, as Brene would say. We have to connect in order to live wholeheartedly. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if anybody out there is thinking this, but I think I went through a period in my life where I thought, but I don't want to be the one to go first. Like, how do you know if you're in a setting where it's okay to say what you're going through? Or how do you know if you're having a conversation with someone and it's okay to say the tough thing that maybe people don't want to hear? And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I'm starting to learn that there are some places where it's not welcome. 
right? Owning your story, (laughs) telling it. But at the same time, I'm just choosing, but that's how I roll. You know, in some way, God made me just crazy and brave enough. (laughs) <laughs> that I'm I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to risk it. And that's so much about what the dare to lead process is about is also being able to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that is a big word. Like there's somebody right now listening to this that heard the word vulnerable and is wants to turn this off right now because yeah. we don't want to talk about that. Right. And I don't know about you, but like growing up, like what did that mean? What did vulnerability mean to you? Or what did somebody ever teach you that word meant? Oh, I didn't, none of this was talked about as I was, we didn't talk about feelings. We didn't process things. I didn't come from, a. I, I was loved and I was cared for, but we didn't process our feelings out loud. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. Yes. That would not have, I, no. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I I didn't either, right? Why are we going to let somebody in to know the stuff maybe one day they could use against us? You know, I mean, there was all oh, kinds of things. Well, I can think of family secrets that I, 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 when I finally would learn about them as a young adult, I remember thinking, why in God's name is this a secret? Why, who thought this was worth hiding? <laughs> you know, it yeah. just didn't make any sense to me, but that just was not the way we were raised. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, something that has definitely seeped into our cultures at work. Because to be honest, before I even went through this training, I said, I want to test this stuff out. And I decided to do it as a mastermind. You know, you can even go on LinkedIn right now and you can download some resources from Brene to do this um, work through an online workbook. And so I thought, I'm going to pilot this out, uh, this at work. And I was amazed how the very first session I had a couple people say, eh, I don't think this is for me. And every time when I would ask, they're like, I saw that word vulnerability. You can't be vulnerable at work. Oh, fascinating. And so the idea that, gosh, it wasn't just, you know, not okay in life, but man, it's especially not okay at work. And so some of this is really changing the way we think in life, but also how do we think in the workplace? And through all of Brene's research, she kept asking you know, what? what's going well? What is not going well? Trying to better understand leadership. And the thing that just kept rising to the top, the thing that everybody said that we really needed more of were brave leaders. And so that's really what Dare to Lead is about, is talking about what are those tenets of becoming a brave leader and what does that look like? And there's also some really tangible pieces that help you understand, okay, what are the behaviors that I can do um, in order to be a braver, braver leader? And I think about leaders that I've had in the past, and I had a lot more respect for those that would courageously do something, be brave, as you said, and fail or not have it go as well as they thought than the ones that would just cautiously not do anything in a big way that would have big impact for us or our clients. Right. And those are the those are the ones that I would just disengage and I would just think, why am I bothering with this? If you weren't willing to like take the hill kind of thing, let's try this. Let's see what happens. Those are the people I really respected. Always. Right. Always. And very similar to that, she talks about from a lot of the research, one of the things that people said actually really creates trust when a leader does this is when they ask for help. Yes. And that really goes against so many things that, you know, growing up in corporate, climbing that ladder that we were told you have to be the subject matter expert. You're the one with the answers. The reason you are the leader is because people go to you for help. 
And so I just thought that was interesting too. And that creates such a opportunity, I think, of freedom for leaders to say, hey, do you know you're supposed to be asking for help? Do you yeah. know you're supposed to have these kind of conversations with your teams? And I, I'm really feeling passionate about bringing this work into organizations because I truly think it changes the game, not just from a way that I've seen work, but from a way that really makes a difference for people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I've been really passionate about in the world of corporate training, and, and I've stuck true to it, is that I don't want to do something that just has professional impact. Mm-hmm. To me, whatever I do, whatever I teach, it's got to have a personal and professional, you know, positive impact right. for people. And, you know, so one of the things and maybe we should have started the podcast like this because it's one of the new things I'm trying to do as I start meetings, but it's the idea of permission slips. Have you heard at all about A little permission bit, yeah. Slips? Talk about it. Okay. So, you know, just like obviously your kids are going to go on a field trip and so they bring the permission slip home and you have to <laughs> sign that, yes, they can go. What are the things that you need to I give I always yourself? found the permission slips in the bottom of the backpack the morning of that it was late or I had to drive it back into school. So right. I loved right. it when, I'm the, with you. when I actually got the permission slip like in time to like intact sign it. Just wanted to say yes. that real quick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. So the good thing about these permission slips is they're real time. So there's no way you'll be late, right? <laughs> right? You live in the moment. We need we need those things in yeah, life. Right. So, you know, what would it have looked like if you and I sat down and before we even did this podcast, I said, what do you need to give yourself permission for today before we jump into this? Gosh, you want me to answer it? Sure. What I would have said, I, I would have asked today about this podcast to give myself permission. You know, it's hard for me to say that now because I have been living more holistically and wholeheartedly in the last year than I have in my whole life. And if you would ask me that question a year ago, I would have had to really, I would have, it would have been different. But now I feel like I am so okay with being wrong and broken and even when we make mistakes on the podcast, even when something happens, when one time somebody's um, housekeeper started running the sweeper while we were recording from, from <laughs> and I just was like, we don't edit that. That's life. Life is not perfect. So I'm much more comfortable with that today and don't feel as much like I need to give myself permission as I used to. But if I had to give myself permission today, I think it would just be that to be okay with this might not go perfectly. And in fact, I like it better when it doesn't go perfectly because I feel like it gives everybody else that's listening permission that their lives don't have to be perfect either. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now. Well, I mean, you've done the work, right? So for the audience here, let me make them feel a lot better because I'll be really truthful because I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. I have a lot of things I need to give myself permission Mm, for. And I sat here and here we are jumping in. And I had to say to myself, you have permission to just be you. Mm. You have permission to not say the right thing, but to say the thing that's on your heart. And I also said, you have permission to just be present. Because when this is all over, you'll look back and you'll say, oh, that was fun. I should have had more fun. I, I do that to myself all the time. Yeah. I always look back saying, why, why didn't I have more fun? And so I think those moments are important. And I 
as silly as it may sound, I was even giving myself permission to breathe. You know, one of the things that I have learned is something I do under stress is I really do completely stop like breathing. You hold like, your I breath. Can feel, yeah, I can feel my jaw kind of get like mm, locked. Tight. I can start gritting my teeth. Um, I can feel like my heart, you know, race mm. a little bit. And there is so much power in just stopping and taking a breath. Um, at one point, even in the middle of the Brene training, she talked about that. And, you know, we all kind of got laughing because she stood up there like, have you ever seen somebody conducting music? You know, and their arm goes in a certain pattern. Yeah. She was like, okay, everybody breathe in for four, hold it for four, release it for four. You know, she taught us this square breathing technique. And even in the moment we laughed and, you know, she was cracking herself up, using her hands like this. And I tell you now, there's been so many times I've used that square breathing technique, look it up, and there's so much power in it. So it's crazy to think who needs to give themselves permission to breathe, but sometimes I do. Well, and, and it's so true. I have done a lot of work in the last year because I've said this on the podcast several times. This podcast got delayed for months because I was afraid I wasn't going to do it right. Hmm. And then finally someone said, it's your podcast. You can do it however <laughs> you want to. And I was like... Oh my gosh. Thank you for the permission. Uh, permission. Right. Yeah. So, but it's taken a, about a year. And, and I think part of it is you and I have come from similar backgrounds where we're in very demanding industries and jobs. And, you know, that high achiever mindset is you do, you start to hold your breath. Yes. Through yes. a lot of things. And I often wonder specifically about working moms. Mm. Man, what's that list of things we've got to give ourselves permission for? You oh know, my gosh. I I have sat in meetings in the last couple of weeks and given myself permission to to be here and not feel bad that my kids in daycare this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I am working, and there's a lot of other kids, yes, that are in daycares and their moms are working, but there's also a lot of kids who, you know. No, their mom's home for the summer and they're adventuring and they're going to the neighborhood pool and they're going to story time at the library and the craft outing at Michael's or building a birdhouse at Home Depot. All the pictures, right? All, All the, things. the pictures on social All media are things. reminding me. And I do believe that summer is the hardest for the working mom. Hmm. Because of that, it's out there and it's that reminder because during the school year, your kids at school for most of the day. And when it's summer and there's that huge divide between the working moms and, and the stay-at-home moms, and I have no shame or shade for any momming is the best ever and it's hard work. But I will admit that I used to have, when my kids were smaller, what I call target mom hate. <laughs> and I would- It's a real thing, folks. It's a real thing. <laughs> I would be running into Target in between meetings because I needed you know, toilet paper and tampons or something. Like it was an emergency Target run that I had 20 minutes to do in between meetings. And I would see the mom in Target pushing the cute little toddler with her cup of coffee and she'd be in her, her workout clothes. And I would just have that twinge of Target mom hate. And then- I would quickly turn it into reality and I would say to myself, what I really know to be true is her life is just as hard as mine, but in a different way. And we all know that she was at Target because she was going to kill those children if she stayed home with them mm -hmm. for five more minutes. And she came to Target to get a cup of coffee and take a deep breath and try to let herself mm -hmm. breathe. Like none of our jobs are harder right. than the other, but it's just that moment of the grass always looks a little bit greener oh, on you the know other side. She was thinking about you, right? Yeah. Oh, look Must at her in nice. her suit. She gets to go to Target by herself. Absolutely. She's by mm -hmm. herself. Look at that suit. 
I wonder where she got that. She got some highfalutin meeting. Absolutely. Yes. And so I intellectually know that that's not true, but you do. You have those twinges of, oh, it's summer and everybody's life mm-hmm. is more carefree than yeah. mine. They're all at the pool or they're all at Michael's yes. building birdhouses. Yes. And you know, one of the things we're talking about, like working moms and even, you know, as a leader, I really think about this all the time. You know, there's a lot of studies that talk about um, the difference that happens to you as a leader once you've become a mother. Like there's a lot of statistics that talk about mothers becoming better leaders and even things that the people who work for them will say. And to be honest, I have... I've gone through some tough stuff in the last couple of years and it would have really been easy for me several times to say, you know what, I'm going to take a step down. I'm going to go back to some of the stuff that just lights me up, just basically facilitating and not really manage a larger team. And one of the things that has really kept me in the leadership role has been able to say, I have some working moms that report to me and I want to be the leader that I know they need right now. Mm, And so I think as women too, how do we help other, how do we give other women permission, no matter it's at work or in life, but that whole idea of permission slips in your mm-hmm. friendships and in your family and at work, like it is, it's possible and there's a lot of power in it. I did become a better leader after I became a mom. Absolutely. I can think of some very specific examples. Like, well, for one, there was an over and under bet that had been laid down from my, the people that worked with me about whether I was going to be able to hack it as a mom because they didn't see me as a mom. They only saw me as, you know, Miss Corporate America leader person. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is she? does she know how to mom? This is weird, right? There was this big joke about what's she going to be like as a mom. And as soon as I became one, it's like you just have this chemical reaction, number one, that you just, I don't know, automatically have more empathy or something. It's just weird. But also I I saw all of the moms so much differently. I knew what it was like to rush through traffic because it's a dollar a minute for every minute that you're late for daycare. Mm -hmm. I knew what it was like to, you know, trying to be preparing for the, the birthday party or what, like it just it flips a switch in your head and your heart. And I do know that I became a much more empathic, better leader after I had kids. Yeah, because in all honesty too, and when you are a high achieving woman and when you have certain standards of quality for the work that you do, I mean, let's be honest, you didn't become a mom and say, okay, so now I'm going to start doing 80% so I can give this other 20% (laughs) to my kids. Like you're going more than 100 and 100 in both, both ways. And another big thing that stood out to me from some of the training with Brene really is the quote about daring leaders who live into their values are never silent about hard things. Things. And I, as a single working mom of two small kids, have really found that in order to keep going, I can't be silent about some hard things. Right. Whether that's, you know, with my team on some things I'm facing in order for them to really understand where I'm coming from, what I'm managing, what kind of help I might need, whether it's in having some tough conversations with my boss Mm -hmm. about, you know, things that are important to me and what I'm valuing and how not just my work life and my personal life is two separate things, but how I need to be living and what I need to be doing. You're right. They're separate things, but we are one person. Right. And I think that's 
you know, life balance is a lie. The, the whole term just makes you feel like you're losing already. Because right. if it means balance, that means I'm supposed to 50-50. No, we are one person. We're in 100% on life. And if we're going to be vulnerable and wholehearted at home, we need to be vulnerable and wholehearted at work. Yes. So I think modeling that is critical. Yes. And it also means that sometimes we got to speak up and not everybody's going to like it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I probably will always be a work in progress on this, but is understanding that I can't make everybody happy. Like I'm never going to have one of those days where I'm like, you know what? I killed it today as a mom. I killed it today at work and I killed it as a friend. And I especially rocked it as a daughter. Like, no, not ever. Nope. None of those nope. are ever going to happen. Like there's always a choice and something's going to have to give. And this hit me really hard. Um, earlier this year, I had two kids with the stomach flu. <laughs> Which one did you did you go to in the, when they were right. both vomiting? Well, luckily, <laughs> they were kind of at different times. And to be honest, I was traveling for the work with work. My mom took the brunt of it helping uh. with my kids. But I came home and just on the end of it with my daughter. And here I'm on a pretty important call with a group of vice presidents. And I'm talking. And you know what? I went into this determined, like, I'm going to run this call. Nobody's going to know a thing. <laughs> and we're going to do this, right? Oh, no. And in the middle of talking, I also, with my proud headset and laptop in one hand and a bucket in the other, go to reach over. And I thought I had just enough time to mute my phone. But instead, I hit speaker. <laughs> and so here I'm saying, oh, my gosh, no. You know, it, it went everywhere. Oh, not the couch, you know. Shut and, up. And the noise of my daughter. And then I hear, Alyssa, are you okay? And <laughs> so you know what I did? I uh, chose to never be silent about hard things. And I said, guess what? I am here on this call. I got a kid who's sick. And you know the coolest part? I got two really amazing emails. And both of them, not to say men can't be compassionate and understanding, but in a way it almost made it even a bigger deal to right. me that two right. executive reached out, executives reached out and said, um, like one of them was like, nice try, you know, <laughs> like, hey, we see you, but you were trying to kill it. We appreciate the effort. And the yeah. other one just said, you're such a good mom. Oh, oh and my that gosh. one hit hard because I, I was at work, up. right? Yeah. Like I was at work and instead he saw, um, you're a good mom. And if you really want to make someone's day, a mom's day, give her specific feedback like that about being a good mom and it will stay with her forever and ever. You will not forget that moment. Yes. But it it is so true that, you know, you can't please everybody all at the same time. I love that story. You can't please everybody all at the same time. This week I had one child who was just killing it, got to play uh, his original music at an event and it was, life is so good. And within two hours, the other one comes home in tears because something bad had happened at work and this and that and the other. And I just looked at my son, Cameron, and I was like, could y'all just maybe have a really good day on the same day? (laughs) And he was like, no, apparently not. Right. And another friend of the show, uh, Lindsay, she told me last week that she was on a video conference call trying to pretend like everything was totally under control. And one of her kids walked in her office just buck naked. Love it. <laughs> Love it. That's amazing. That's so, amazing. you know, in the fact that we could just be real yeah. about it, and you're telling this story, is giving all of these other moms permission that, you know right. what, you can clean up vomit and right. still manage a or major guess career. What? <laughs> or guess what? You know what? You can cancel that call. 
Oh, preach, girl. I mean, where did that not ever cross my mind? Like, where did I come up with it? And, you know, it's one of the things that's kind of become a personal way for me to make choices because there are some days where you're just weighing the consequences, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's really what you're absolutely. doing. Yep. And I also was raised to do the right thing and to do the best thing. Mm, right is such a relative term. Yes. And so specifically in these last two years of my life, I have tried to tell myself, because I did the right and the best thing. And let me tell you, that did not work for me. Mm. And so I switched specifically around me being a mom. I switched from thinking about the right thing and the best thing to creating the story that one day I will be proud to tell my kids. Love that. Love that. You know, because I'm not necessarily going to be so proud to talk to them about, yeah, well, I was telling you to be quiet as you were getting sick so I could do this call. But I'd be really proud to talk to them about, you know what, the days where I just stopped and I chose to be with you and to love you and to take it slow for a second. Yeah. Um, and to not miss out on that and to be present with you, whether it was for a fun day at the park or whether it was because you were sick. Absolutely. I, I want to be proud of the choices I make. And I, and I make those choices by thinking about what's the story I want to tell them one day. And we have to get okay with being a high achieving woman and having an amazing career and making that choice. It's possible. It is up to us to make that choice. And by us having this conversation and giving more and more people permission to do that is so important because you know what? When and if you leave that job in that company, they are not going to remember any of that in 30 days or 10 minutes, but your kids are forever. And we have to remember that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't make us less of a, of a, of a leader. It doesn't make us less of anything. It makes us wholehearted. And I think that's the bravest thing you could ever do. Yes. Yes, 100%. And, you know, that's one of the things that wholehearted is kind of this term that I think a lot of people use. It's a wholehearted living is a huge piece of the work that Brene has done. And it's one of the things that really hit home with me specifically because a lot about what she talks about in being wholehearted is also about belonging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is a difference between fitting in and belonging. Absolutely. And you and I have talked before, and we have stories of times in our lives where we worked really hard to fit in, whether it was in our families, whether it was at work, whether it was in certain friend groups, even in relationships. Oh, gosh, and that's another piece that I am really fighting to believe in, is that it is not about fitting in anywhere. It is about knowing that I belong everywhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to be able to model that for our kids with the pressure that they're under these days and, and all that they're facing is the biggest thing that we can do for them is to model that. Um, there are times that I look at my kids and I think, I don't know if I could have done what they're doing in the world as it is today with all of the things that they're facing to to model for them that they can be themselves is the greatest gift we could ever give them yes and yeah. to help them see that they're part of creating a space for other people to belong in mm -hmm. you know i mean it's and that's what i'm challenging myself to do uh, in the workplace and in life and especially in 
in ways that I can create spaces for other women to belong. That's imp- that's important to that's, me. Yeah. You know, and I've tried out a few different things that, you know, because it's hard to think about how do you add something else to your to-do list. But a huge thing I felt in this last year is how do I make other women feel important and loved and seen? Probably because that's something I've needed for myself. Right, right. Um, and so I've done random things. I bought different boxes of, you know, kind of inspirational cards on Amazon. And I write Every Monday, I choose at least two women every Monday that I send a card to. And sometimes I get messages about them, sometimes I don't. But to me, that's important. I need to be saying something positive to other women. Well, and you talked earlier about you wanted your work to have impact above and beyond just the the business aspect. And one of the ways that you went to bat for women in your workplace was to create a women's conference that had never been done before. And you took a real stand on that and said, look, this this is going to happen. This is important to me. And, and, and I was I was honored to get to speak at that. It was a great or it was a great group of women, but what I felt in that room was the gratitude of knowing that you stood up for them. And mm-hmm. not not only was that important to them, it fed you. Like that was I I just felt, oh I have chills thinking about it right now. I just felt in the room that day that it was that those connections that were being made, it was those conversations, but I also know that they were looking at you with huge gratitude for going to bat for them. Well, thank you for that because it was honestly one of the bravest moments. And to tell you the truth, it was the week after that women's conference that I applied to go to the Dare to Lead training. Talk about that because I think this is really, really an important message around bravery, if you will. There's only maybe 600 people that got chosen worldwide for this certification. Yes. this is a very elite group that you're a part of, which I'm just so excited for you. And so what was that? So you got the notice, like talk, to, how, what was that story? Yeah. How did you get in? Yeah. So basically, you know, I said to myself, oh my gosh, I am, you know, and this is one of the things, if you read the book, she's going to talk about the SFDs. These are the shitty first drafts, right? (laughs) That we write, that we tell ourselves. And, you know, I start looking into this. And I mean, the first shitty first draft that was in my head is what a waste of time. You're never going to get in. You know, why is she going to choose you? I I call that the little bitch in our head. It's the same concept, right? It's talking you down. Yes. Yes. And I've said that for a long time, my inner voice, man, she's a real bitch. She's a bitch. (laughs) What is that about? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I'm learning now that when those stories come up, the first thing I've got to do is stop myself and say, well, where'd that come from? Mm. Okay. What's going on? What, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And what's not true about that? Because it's she never lies. True. It is she never true. Li- not only is she a bitch, but she right. lies. Right. She's a liar. Yes. <laughs> so I'm getting my strength back, and I'm working on proving that bitch wrong. I love so that. then I said, well, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'll apply. If I don't get in, like I have always lived my life saying, I would rather do it and know the outcome. And, and yeah, I've probably learned that lesson a few times the hard way, right? But <laughs> I think it's way worse to live thinking, but what if I would have? Okay. And so I much rather just go for it and see what happens. And so I applied and there was a good almost two months until they closed it and until they said you'd find out if you got in or not. And, and let me just, for our listeners, you, the part you're not 
telling is this isn't just a online application where you just casually fill it out while you watch Bravo TV. Like you had to go back and get hours logged teaching at different certifications and jobs that you had. You had to go gather tons of data to do oh, yeah. this, right? I, I reached out to this lady in Louisville. I'm like, do you remember that you trained me in the change cycle about 12 years ago? You know? I don't know why my accent just kicked in when I'm talking about somebody in Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Louisville. Um, so, sorry, we love Louisville. We I actually live Louisville. like an hour and a half. You and I went to a women's thing there Absolutely. earlier. Yeah, no. We love Louisville. Yes. There's no, no shame yes. or shade of that comment. Yes. But I'm like, do you even still own this business? But, you know, I, yes, I thought, okay, if they're going to ask me for my certification, Notifications. If I have to prove all these hours, then guess what? I'm not missing one of those. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as high achieving women, we always can look back at these times and be really proud. And sometimes we can look and say, okay, I put way too much into that. I didn't need to work that hard. But this is one of those cases where off. I was like all in, right? Yes. And I think we have to pay attention to that mm-hmm. because there are some things you can say you want. There's some things you can say you want to do, but you got to pay attention to how are you showing up? How hard are you going in on that? Because I think that's when you know if it's right or not. It's a thing. It's, it's part of your unique gifts and talents. It's part of your passion. And all of a sudden it bubbles up and you think, I'm doing all I can to make sure this goes well. Yeah. And the cool thing about this whole process is I can look back now and every single step was so good for me. It was an amazing exercise to go back and see in, you know, almost 13 years, how much I've done. I mean, I went pretty quickly from saying, I'll never get in to looking at that list and saying, how could I not Not get in? I mean, I have so many certifications. I've done it all. I've taught it all. And in that moment, it became bigger. You know, you and I've been talking lately. It's bigger than you know. It's bigger than you know. It became pretty clear in that moment that this wasn't just about me going to get certified in this work. This was bringing part of myself back. And this was about remembering who I am. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when I'm working with clients, one of the first things that we do after we address the little bitch in our head is I have my clients inventory their gifts, talents, and abilities. And when I first start doing the work, they get this this wild-eyed look like this is going to be hard. I don't know. And they name a few things. And I just keep working on it, keep working on it. And we go back into past years and things they've forgotten about. And then all of a sudden, we've got this list of things that they are uniquely gifted in and have these, these abilities and these talents. And you can just see them come alive again. Like they walk they walk in that first few sessions in, in kind of burnout mode, right? Or they wouldn't have hired me as their coach, right? There's <laughs> something usually going on. They want to do something differently. And all of a sudden in, you know, third, fourth session, it's like well-being and joy is back on their face and they know who they really are. And I sometimes just go back, go to my car or hang up the phone and just cry because I think such a brilliant, wonderful woman now remembers how brilliant and wonderful she is. I love that. Yes. And it happens so easily, right? There's so many people who tell us what we are and what we aren't. Mm-hmm. And we have to create the time and the energy and the space to stop and pause and remind ourselves who we are. Yeah. And when you're like, I still don't know, then guess what? You got a new mission. You find her. Find her. You find her. Find her. And it is hard to do just sitting alone without some catalyst, either by 
hiring a coach or having a really good friend that's walking you through that process or like you did where it was a something you were going after. It was a structured application process that put you into that mode because we all have that lie of, you know, when I get caught up, I'll do that. Yes. And we're not getting Never. caught up, right? And so that process did that for you. Yes, it did. It did. And it made me realize that not only did I want to do this work and was I capable of doing this work, but that I was meant to do this oh work. Oh my gosh. And I'm so happy. Yes. Yes. I remember the day that you messaged me and said you got in. I jumped up and down around my kitchen like I was going to Disney World. Like yes. it was just this. My friend's getting certified at Brene Brown, dude. Like, it's a big deal. And I know how hard you worked. And you you are meant for this. You you have been preparing for this your whole life. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's another piece of it that I know about you that our listeners don't yet know, but because we've already said we're going to do a series, they're going to they're gonna figure it out over time, is uh, neither one of us had lives that were, you know, this easy, basic walk of, you know, get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job. Everything's going to work out. Like we've both both walked through some shit, right? And it's in those challenging moments where you choose to still stand tall in that, that you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And now to be in this place where you're leading and facilitating other people to walk through that vulnerability. It's almost like you have to go through some of that crap to have the credibility to be able to lead this for others. And it makes it worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, it is like standing on the other side of those stories makes you realize that they had to happen in order for you to fulfill your purpose. Like I, if I didn't have some of those stories and those tough experiences, I wouldn't need to do this work myself, let alone feel so convicted to help other women specifically do this work. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really important to say, too, because you and I have talked a little bit about this, but, you know, okay, here I find out I'm getting into the class. Then they say, okay, in a couple of weeks, we're going to send you your pre-work. And yes, I think I've mentioned single mom of two, working a pretty- <laughs> Two young ones, Two too. little ones, yes. yeah. You know, director of a pretty decent team and a large, fast-growing organization. And she says, you know, all the books I've written, well, you got to reread those and test out of them. And if you don't pass the test at a certain amount of time, like you don't get to come to this training. Oh my And so gosh. how many of you are like, I don't have time to read a book? Like for me, I thought, oh my gosh, I've got like five books to read and I've got to pass these tests. And so what was different for me is I had read the books, right? I had read Daring Greatly and The Gifts of Imperfection and Braving the Wilderness. I had read these books. I mean, it's why I was a fan. Yeah. And so here I found myself thinking, okay, this is good. Like I'm going to get some good stuff out of this. I read them before. I know they're good. Then... I start opening them up, realizing, you know what? It was a totally different person who read these books the last time. Mm. And I wasn't just reading Brene's words to reread these books and to test out of them. I was reading the notes to myself. And it became a pretty heavy process. Because we're talking, going back how many years? Oh, gosh, yeah. Like more than five, for sure, since I've read them. Yeah, my most recent. And um, that 
was tough. And the reason I say that there was a there was completely a purpose. And looking back, that was a part of my process. I needed to go back because to tell you the truth, some of the stuff I read actually confirmed how much I've grown. Mm. And some of the stuff that I had written were some of my biggest fears at the time. And guess what? They happened. Some of the things I was writing about that I was scared to death about, that I was afraid about, that I was miserable about, I wrote them not knowing they were about to all come true. Mm-hmm. And yet I sit here today reading those words as someone who made it through. Mm-hmm. And yes. so I did all of that rereading and redigging up. Um, but sometimes it also proves that sometimes you kind of got to step, take a step back before you can really take your big step forward. And that was a good reminder to me as well. And that's the whole reflection and connection. Reflection mm. is a huge part of growth. I had a similar situation where I sat and read all of my journals back to back in the same day, years worth, over a decade worth. And, and to be able to think about how far I had come and that those, again, those things you're so scared of and that you've survived them, it's, it's an important part of the process. Yes. And, you know, I sit in a place where I've got some big decisions ahead of me and what to do with this work that I want to do and some dreams and some, you know, the audience that I want, the women I want to serve. And it also was a really good reminder to me that it's just a matter of time before I look back and some of the things I'm afraid of mm-hmm. are going to be the same things I say I conquered and I'm here today. And now it's just another part of the story I tell. And I'm so glad to be a part of that story. And the thing that I will say as we wrap up is you provide so much comfort for me as I'm going through those tough times. And that's, you know, another key part of the Badass Women's Council is the message that you need the people in your life that know all the parts, the good parts, the scary parts. And and you are that for me. And it is, it's soul food, as yes. I'd like to say, that yes. I can pick up the phone and in my worst moment or my best moment and just be me. And you love all of those crazy parts of me. Yay. Every single bit. Yay. All of it. Yay me. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for reals, I, I want to do a series because I, I want to dive into some of the content I think there's huge value in that for our listeners to dig into some of the specifics of the certification and what we can do to share that. So will you come back and do that with us? I'm all in. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm not coming down. Thanks for being here today. I only have one reflection question for you. What do you need to courageously go all in and try to achieve. Because we heard Alyssa's story. She took a chance, she went all in, and it is paying off in huge, huge dividends for her and also for us. And I can't wait for you to hear her again and learn more about the specifics of the Dare to Lead content. Thanks so much for being here. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, now would be an excellent time to do so because these next few episodes are going to be ridiculous. And if you need a keynote speaker or you're looking to up your game a bit and would like to hire a coach, I'm your girl. Give me a buzz. Thanks so much. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground.